0: The Disability Report with Karen Key. Good evening and welcome to this month's edition of The Disability Report. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Ari Searles, National Director of the Quadparo Association of South Africa, who own Rolling Inspiration magazine, about the Wings for Life world run. And if you were listening to the show last month, you would have heard me talking to the organisers about that. He'll also be talking about braid tags for wheelchairs and parking in wheelchair bays. And then I'll be joined in studio by Stacy Maguire and Gretchen. Now, Gretchen is a diabetic assist dog, otherwise known as a dad, and she alerts Stacy as soon as her blood sugar levels change, either goes up too high or drops too low. And they're in studio with me at the moment, and I must tell you, Gretchen is a white German Shepherd, and she's absolutely beautiful. I'll also be chatting with Wenzel Barnard from Stellenbosch University's Sports Performance Institute about the upcoming National Championships for the Physically Disabled, which will be taking place in Stellenbosch from the 30th of march to the 2nd of april and finally i'll be joined on the line by Willem stichling now he writes a regular column for rolling inspiration magazine on sexuality he specializes in sexual rehabilitation and is a lecturer at pretoria academic hospital and we'll be chatting about the impact of a disability on relationships and just a reminder: if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page. It's Disability on SAFM, or you can email me directly on disability at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, as usual, we start the show chatting with Ari Seelis, and he's the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa. And this month, we'll be chatting about the Wings for Life World Run, bread tags for wheelchairs, and parking in wheelchair bays. Ari, good evening. Welcome to the show.
1: Corin, good evening. Thank you.
0: Right, so Wings for Life World Run. I chatted to the organisers on the show last month. What's happening? It's almost time now.
1: Well, look, you know, the time has come for the talk to end and the registration to begin. This is an amazing global event where South Africa has been included now for the first time. In 38 cities, they're encouraging people to do this run. It's up to about 50 kilometers, but it doesn't mean you have to be a professional athlete to try because they've got an unusual way of picking the winner. When the Red Bull vehicle eventually passes you, you then drop off and get picked up by a bus and taken back to the beautiful Boschendal estate on the 4th of May to enjoy the rest of the activities. And it's all in aid of raising funds for research for cure of spinal cord injury. And we're very proud, Kwasa, to now be associated with the event and standing up and saying, look, we support research for cure. It's not only supporting ourselves, who are now injured, but um, we, we've thrown our brand behind um, uh, Red Bull, who are organizing this, to say, you know, Let ourselves also be champions in encouraging people to participate. So, you know, the event is looking for people now to push push that button that says enter. And, um, you know, they're looking for 5,000 runners to participate. It's going to be the most amazing event at Poshendal on the 4th of May.
0: How many runners have they got so far? Do you know? I'm not
1: sure of what the entries are now and I think that at the moment people are focusing on the Pick and Bay Cape August cycle mm. event and then on the two oceans and then you'll see people will um, be lining up their next event which we hope will be the Wings for Life run.
0: I like the tagline which says run for those who can't. Yes, I mean and then also with Kwasa you know we
1: don't only look after ourselves but we want to ensure that research continues and that a cure is forthcoming. Um, However long it takes, so that um, hopefully we become extinct.
0: Right, and your next topic, the bread tags for wheelchairs. We've spoken about that before. How is that going, Ari?
1: No, it's excellent, and it's always, you know, the the the, speaking about environmental issues.
0: Oh, Ari, I think we've lost Ari. Yes, I think we've lost him. We'll have to try and get him back on the line. And in the meantime, as Ari said, if you are interested in running in the Wings for Life World Run, we did speak about it on the show last month, and just go to the Wings for Life website and uh, log on there, and you pay an entry fee. That's all you do. You don't have to get sponsored or anything. You pay an entry fee, and all that money, every single cent of that money, goes towards the spinal research. And as Ari said, you don't have to be a super fit athlete because the moment you get you you running along and the spinal, car comes up behind you, the moment it passes you, you're out of the race, and you get picked up by the bus and head off to Boschendal for a fabulous wine tasting or whatever it is you're going to do there that day. I'm honestly sure if I did that, I'd sort of start walking very slowly, watching out for the car to start, and then that would be the end of me. I'd get on the bus and go off for the wine tasting, but that's just me. So if if you're looking for something rather fun to do that's for a really good cause, go to Wings for Life on the internet, click the I want to enter button and uh, go off and join. Hopefully they're going to have 5,000 runners there. Ari, are you back with us now? Oh no, Ari's disappeared again. I think what we'll do in the meantime um, while we're trying to get hold of Ari, I'm going to tell you about Stacey Maguire. She has brittle diabetes, which is more difficult to control than the more common type 1 diabetes because blood sugar levels rise or fall very rapidly. Now, Gretchen is a white German shepherd and South Africa's first diabetic assist dog, and they're both in studio with me. Now, Stacey, good evening. Welcome to the show nice to have you both with me
2: hi thank you Karen it's good to be here
0: so the, Gretchen is one of a kind in South Africa by all accounts
2: yes completely um yeah there's a, she's the first one that I actually got from the U.S. Um, I think the reason why people haven't bought her over or had dogs trained for them is because of the price it's very very expensive
0: before we get in too much about Gretchen tell me about brittle diabetes because that's mm-hmm. quite unusual people know about type 1 and type 2 what exactly is brittle diabetes
2: well, it's brittle type one, um, so I'm insulin dependent. Um, I wear an insulin pump, and brittle means that my blood sugar changes very rapidly um, and quite drastically at the same time. So I'll go from an eight to a to a three within, you know, half an hour. Um, most blood people, most people's uh, blood sugar doesn't change that rapidly at all. Not even type ones.
0: And you have no sign or symptom that it's coming. It can literally hit you without any, you know, warning that you are aware of.
2: Uh, yeah, but I'm also unaware. So I've lost all symptoms linked to any high or low blood, blood sugar readings.
0: So what actually happens when your blood sugar drops too high? Uh, drops too low or goes up too high?
2: Um, well, the symptoms, obviously, for a normal type 1 would vary. Um, I will be talking to you right now if my blood sugar drops, and then suddenly I just kind of talk in circles or I sound drunk. Um, if I'm not around anyone, then I can pass out Um
0: and, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> so how did you come by Gretchen? How did you hear about diabetic assist dogs?
2: It was a few years ago. Um, I was researching different things that um, are available to help type 1 diabetics, um, especially bristle ones, because the technology available in the world isn't like fast enough. Gretchen and all diabetic assist dogs are way faster in terms of picking up blood sugar levels. So um, did some research, found out the cost about five years ago, stopped researching them because they were too expensive. Um, and then earlier early last year, my family got together because my health kind of really deteriorated, ended up having lots of seizures, um, lots of blackouts. Um, it happened at work, happened mostly at home. Um, so then they got together and they're like, well, if money wasn't an option or wasn't an obstacle, shall I say, would you... You know, would you go and get one? And I'm like, without a question. And then we started the process, got hold of my trainer in the U.S. And, yeah, and then she found Gretchen, who's actually a rescue dog. Um, And then she started training in May last year.
0: Now, that's the interesting part, the training part, because you had to actually send samples of, what was it? My saliva. Your saliva in little plastic sealed bags and to the United States for her to be trained with. Yes. So tell me how that whole process works.
2: Well, basically, um, she's trained, because she's a service dog, she's firstly trained on the obedience levels and public access. And then on the alerting side with blood sugar, she's trained with, um, with the samples that I send. So therefore, if she smells this scent, she needs to alert Diane, who's my trainer. Um, and that, that goes on for months and months and months until she's alerting without Diane having to show her what she's alerting to or hint because, you know, she's also highly intelligent. So she picks up things. She, like, you know, Diane has the samples in little containers. If Gretchen would hear the container, then she would know that she needed to alert. So Diane would have to hide it on her body so that it was literally done by scent.
0: And the trainer was herself diabetic, and that's how she got into doing all the training?
2: She just wants to help people mm. um, and diabetics. You know, she's not your <laughs> your everyday type 2 she's a type 2 diabetic um so you know she's not as health conscious as i, I am
0: to say the least <laughs> so you went over now obviously with the, with a dog like this you'd have to form a special bond so you spent mm-hmm. some time with her in america
2: yeah i was with um her for three days so a solid three days when i first got there and then with just myself and gretchen and my stepdad for a week with diane down the road
0: oh, okay yeah. and then you brought her home And had no problems bringing her back on the plane. And she adapted quite well to life in South Africa?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for her was the the temperature. She came from minus 30 to plus 30.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Where did she come from in America?
2: From Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. It was, they had crazy low temperatures when we were there. Um, And yeah, so I've I've been trying to get rid of some of her, her hair with brushing her regularly. But yeah, other than the heat, she's adapted very well. She recognizes American accents on TV, which is very interesting. (laughs) Oh right, okay. Um, But other than that, you know, it's kind of you know the same for her.
0: So how different was it now bringing her home, and now you've got to deal with her by yourself. You don't have the luxury of the trainer being with you. How did that work for you? I mean, was she quite happy and and comfortable with you? Did she listen to you? How did you get? I mean, okay, the alerting part she obviously had that down, Pat. Mm. But what about the actual sort of day to day and the obedience side of it? How did that work out for you?
2: Um, well, she is a German Shepherd, so, you know, the whole re- earning their respect is quite important for them. Um, I had to prove my Alpha status to her, and that took a lot longer than what I thought it would. Um, you know, constantly challenging me on small things like not coming when I ask her to come, and all at home when she's out and when she's, you know, she knows that she has to be really, really good. Um, for the public access side, she's never faulted but at home is when she had pushed the boundaries. And it took about three weeks of, of ch- daily challenges and me reinforcing my alpha status, um, literally, you know, through training, through being strict, leashing her to me. So whenever I'm home, she's leashed to me, she comes with me everywhere. And it's just certain things like that 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 I had to do to let her know and reinforce the fact that I'm actually alpha
0: in the whole house, not just with her. <laughs> so what happens now if you're, blood sugar drops or goes too high, what does she do?
2: She alerts me by pouring me. Um, if She sometimes stares at me before she, she alerts me as a, as a, in terms of pouring me. Um, if um, she doesn't think that I'm paying good enough attention to her, then she might whine or sometimes even have one bark at me to go, listen, something's wrong, have a look, you know, don't ignore me or, or pay attention.
0: I was reading something where she, I don't know if if I've got this correct, but she alerted you and your your sugar was relatively okay at that point, but within the next short while it will either drop or go too high. She almost seems to preempt it.
2: She does. Um, As I said earlier, you know, she's faster than any technology. So technology, um, which I've had all the technology, I've gone through all of that and years of it, um, will tell me retrospectively that my sugar has gone too low. It won't tell me in real time. She actually does it up to one hour before it actually happens. That's
0: long. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, what do you? Can you then help yourself do something at that point? Do you realize it's about to drop?
2: Yeah, she tells me. Um, like I don't feel it, so she literally tells me. And if my sugar is, you know, six or seven, it's that's a normal range. Then I'll be like a cool girl. You know, wait twenty minutes, and I'd literally ask her to wait twenty minutes. Show her my fingers. And then she would wait 20 minutes, really? more or less. God, this is amazing. Um, and then she would remind me. Um, also because she can still smell that scent. Mm. And it, it gets stronger the lower my sugar goes, um, or the higher it goes. And then I'll test again, and, you know, true as Bob, every single time. I, you, also, it's kind of a learning curve for
0: me, because mm. you don't think that it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening to this thinking, no, you can't be serious. <laughs> mm.
2: um, and then, yeah, you know, my sugar would be six. 20 minutes later, it will be three. And I never realized, because, I mean, no diabetic tests their sugar every 20 minutes. No, you don't. I'm sure. Um, You know, so I never really realized how quickly my sugar was actually dropping, how brittle my sugar actually was. I felt it by, you know, the side effects of going into a coma, having seizures, but I never knew that it would drop within an hour from eight to two. And I've seen it with her, and she's picked it up when it was eight, on its way down to two. Sure. So it's been very interesting.
0: But now if if she's that necessary to your well being, um, she should by all accounts be with you twenty four seven.
2: She should be. But yes.
0: unfortunately she isn't.
2: Unfortunately not, yeah.
0: And why is that?
2: Um, well basically she's a, a service dog, you know, she's the first in the country um, of her kind of service dogs. Everyone knows about guide dogs, you know, if you're blind and you have a guide dog, no one gives you issues when going into a public place, like a restaurant or a, you know, spa, pick and pay to do your grocery shopping. Um, But with Gretchen, I can see, I don't look physically disabled, so therefore she's not a service dog, she's a pet even though she's wearing her service dog vest that says it what she's says she on there.
0: Yeah, I, She's wearing it now. I'm watching her.
2: Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, you have to stop and explain your medical condition to these random security guides <laughs> um, when people are stopping and staring and it's, you know, it's not not a comfortable situation, but the more people are becoming aware of it, the easier it is. I've also learned that calling ahead of time to a restaurant is way better than just rocking up. Um, at work, they haven't allowed her in the building, uh, which is most the most unfortunate side because I spend most of my time there during the week, obviously. Um, so yeah, they just you know aren't open to having a dog in the building for eight or ten hours a day.
0: And if you had had a guide dog, it wouldn't have been an issue.
2: If I was blind, they wouldn't hire me because it's a it's an online marketing company, so you have to be able to see to work there.
0: <laughs> okay, well, at least said about that, the better though. Uh, yeah. But now you are hoping to get involved in trying to bring more of these dogs or get, at least getting a trainer out here to train dogs to do this.
2: Yes, um, I'm tra- starting a training program next year. Um, it's, it, the reason why it's going to take till next year is because Diane from the U.S. is going to come over. Um, we need a sponsorship for that to happen because it is quite expensive for the, the airplane tickets. And then um, when Diane is here, she's going to be training the trainers in Cape Town. Uh, for about two weeks, every single day. Once the trainers have trained, have been trained here, then there'll be you know, Skype sessions and all of that to make sure that they have everything that they need to train the service side of these dogs as well as the diabetic alert side. Um, they also need to be qualified to do that, so that they are the dogs that come out of the training program are recognised as service dogs and not just you know your the dog at home, your pet. Um, that can now smell when your sugar changes. They're actually trained to, on the public access side, which is obviously very important when going into public. That these dogs aren't going to bite. They're not going to eat random things off the off the grocery shelf. You know, they are completely trained and obedient. I
0: mean, that they. I mean, I was quite amazed when when you arrived this evening. I asked. I'm very glad I did before, because I only spotted the sign afterwards. I said to you, "May I?" pet her and you said no and there's a big sign actually when I looked on on her jacket that says do not pet and that is something that I think the public like us need to understand that when dogs like this as you said to me she's working
2: yeah um the more people pay attention to her in terms of touching her giving her love I mean she loves it you know she's you know she loves attention um the more that happens and that person isn't me the less she's working and as I said earlier you know alpha status can be lost very easily with with service dogs so the more stuff like that happens the less control in inverted commas i have um over my status as alpha to her but it's more more in terms of distractions uh she needs to be focused on me
0: it sounds to me that Stacey, we need a lot more education not just of people and in allowing her to go anywhere with you but in the rest of us as the the general public we need to have a better idea of different types of service dogs and what they mean to the person who has them
2: yeah i think you know that concept is quite new to the country um you know you, you you get all kinds of service dogs internationally mostly in the states and the uk you get um epilepsy dogs you get um, psychological dogs I'm not
0: sure what the correct term is for well, people with depression I think have dogs depression mm. as well
2: as um, bipolar things like that um, you know and that's just naming too uh, besides guide dogs and the, the, the more commonly known service dogs so and I think that the field and service dogs actually growing internationally when it's discovered that dogs can actually help people in various ways and it's, it's like having your best friend with you all the time. It's not this invasive machine that you have to wear or um, medication that you have to take, necessarily. The doc can help you and, and warn you for when things are about to happen, such as, as Gretchen does for me. But like with epilepsy, they can tell you before the time, if you're driving, stop the car. You're about to have an epileptic fit, you know, and, you know, things like that.
0: What happens when she's sleeping and you're sleeping?
2: When she's sleeping, she's sleeping, just like I am. Um, if she, if something alert, like, startles her or kind of brings her out of her sleep, such as me making a noise, which does happen when my blood sugar drops, um, I breathe differently, I breathe heavier, sometimes I choke on my tongue. Um, so if I make a noise or something happens in the house that that makes a noise, like any dog, they're pretty much alert mm. almost all the time. Um, then she will wake up. If she smiles that I'm... Not not okay. Then she'll jump on the bed, wake me up, or if I'm not waking up, wake up my partner.
0: So your breathing would actually alert her when you're sleeping that there's something wrong.
2: Any sort of sound that isn't normal. Yeah.
0: I'm sitting. It's like something out of the out of the movies. You know, it's <laughs> like is this really real? It's absolutely amazing. And she's been lying here the whole time we've been chatting, very quietly under the t- under the table. Um, but I'm sure if there was a problem, we'd soon hear from her. But
2: uh, yeah, if there's a problem, she would be pouring my leg. Um, but I mean, actually, I did take her to work to introduce her to my um my bosses to go this is Gretchen she's not the scary dog that's going to bite people she's actually quite placid and um I stayed at work for four hours which I wasn't supposed to do either um and under the table and she just literally lay there she alerted me once as well by pulling my leg
0: did they see this I mean did they realize the need for having her there
2: Unfortunately not, Um, my team did because I I have a team of 30 people that work for me Um, and they love her, I mean everyone loves her except for the people that matter Um, but yeah, so that's how she is in public, she's placid, she's calm no one even knows that she's there until they see this big white dog under the table
0: Is this something, Brittle Diabetes Type 1 as you said you have, is that something that's in your family or were you the first one to have this? Where did it come from in your life?
2: Out of the blue it just um no one in my family has it there's no diabetics in my family that i'm aware of anyway um and i do have a pretty small family i was 15 um got really really sick after having some quite hectic things happen to me and my sister and um yeah three weeks after we were attacked um on the farm that we were living on i was diagnosed
0: do you think i had any link? i don't i mean i've never heard of that but i mean is it possible
2: I mean, various things cause diabetes to happen. There isn't, um, you know, a list that you can go, it was either A, B or C. It's kind of, at the time I had a bad flu, so my immune system was low. We were attacked, so there's a massive shock to the system. Um, you know, you hear stories of people being in car accidents and getting diagnosed with type 1 after that. For some reason, uh, your body attacks the beta cells in your pancreas which produce insulin and kill them over a period of time sometimes it kills them within a month sometimes it kills them within a year um but it either weakens them to the point of death or just kind of kills them immediately in my knowledge anyway i'm not a doctor (laughs) um but that's kind of how i understand it and with me i think it was a combination of having a low immune system and having this massive shock to the system
0: So the future now looks bright, hopefully, for others who might need dogs like Gretchen. And um, so what what can the public do to help this initiative that you're starting?
2: I think, you know, the more people are aware and and talk about it, um, the better, because it will allow future type 1 brittle diabetics with service dogs a much easier kind of road than what I've had in the last month or so um, in terms of public access and all that kind of thing. I'm also looking for a sponsor. If anyone wants to sponsor this program, it's um, starting an NGO, so it's non-profit. It's literally just to help bring the cost of these dogs down. It's so it makes it affordable for people like me to get dogs in Cape Town in the country. Um, It's available. We can send them all over the country. It doesn't matter, Um, but
0: it's literally about cost. So and, and the dogs you'll be getting from where? What any, any particular type of dog you're going to be using here? Also German Shepherds, are they the best?
2: Um, various breeds are pretty good, uh, as long as it's a ver- variety of things. So personality of the actual dog, um, level of, of energy, are they highly energetic, are they not? Um, Nose, how well do they smell? Do they have a strong scent? Can they pick up scent easily? And those are the, really the three major things that we look for. Um whether it's comes in a, you know, boxer size or a boxer breed versus a um a German shepherd or a lab, you know, it doesn't really matter. The most common breeds are obviously labs, German shepherds and uh standard poodles actually.
0: Oh really? Well, Those are my these... favorite kinds of dogs, standard yeah. <laughs> poodles. You know, they're highly intelligent. You need ones that are, are relatively bright.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Intelligence is highly important. Mm. Um uh, uh, strange because when I was in uh, America with Diane, uh, her best friend Anne, who helps with the whole program, is a type 1 brittle as well. And she's got a, a service dog, which Diane trained, and she's a Santa Poodle. Oh, really? Yeah. And Gretchen is an Alsatian. So when Gretchen alerts me, she digs her claws in, she, you know, you know that she's pawing you. Mm. you
0: you're left with marks after. Oh, making quite sure you're aware she's noticed something is wrong.
2: Exactly. Mm. Um, and then with Lily, who was Anne's service dog, a standard poodle, she literally just kind of like boop on the shoulder or on the on the leg. You know, it's very gentle, very mm. like ladylike. So that's quite cool
0: so depending on what type of dog what kind of reaction you're going to get but you'll get yeah. something
2: you definitely you'll will you'll
0: get something Yeah, Stacey it's been an absolute pleasure having the two of you in the studio I almost thank don't want to it. let you go I've so enjoyed <laughs> having you here but thank, thank, you. thank you very much indeed for your time for joining me cool
2: thank you very much for having
0: me Stacey McGuire has brittle b- uh, diabetes type 1 as I said and her dog Gretchen is known as a dad it's a diabetic assist dog and for more information you can take a look at a website it's www.dadsouthafrica.com or you can email Stacey at diabetic Diabetic Assist Dog S A, that's diabetic assist dog SA at gmail.com. I was Queen there with somebody to love and as I was saying to Rob, who's my sound engineer this evening, I was saying, what a fabulous night I'm having wonderful dog in the studio and I'm mad about dogs so dog and the music of Queen really really wonderful evening so hope you enjoyed the musical interlude there we just needed a little bit of time to be able to get Stacey and Gretchen out of the studio so we had some music to play. Well Wenzel Barnard from Stellenbosch University Sports Performance Institute is on the line and we'll be chatting about the upcoming national championships for the physically disabled which will be taking place in Stellenbosch from the 30th of March to the 2nd of April. Wenzel good evening welcome to the show I'm sorry about the delay Uh, Good
3: evening
0: so, tell me about the national championships coming up in, at the end of the month.
3: Uh, well, it's the national championship on a yearly uh, basis. It's been held uh, in today, uh, this year. We're lucky to have being, uh, Western Province hosting it. And like you said, it will start mainly on the 29th of March with the, the admin side of it, like uh, teams arriving and classification and meetings. And then from the 30th will be the opening late afternoon on the Sunday. And then it's all systems go from the Monday, Tuesday, and the Wednesday for the different sports.
0: Now this is something that's very close to your heart because you are the sports manager at Marty's Helderberg Sports Club, and they have they, people with disabilities train there.
3: Yes, uh, Sipan, uh, our club's uh, actually Sipan been at the university from 2006, and I must say we're in a very lucky position that a lot of the well-known Paralympian sprinters is from our club and been coached uh, been coached there, and also certain. Some of other famous guys is there, uh, like Aaron the hand cyclist, and uh, yes, and some of the swimmers, like uh, Charles Bauer, also one of the swimmers that's from our club. And we, we've got the, the so-called senior guys, but we also try and get new blood in, because obviously in, towards 2016 you'll need new people, new faces, and hopefully our club can provide opportunities for the new people to come through and to compete at the 2016 Paralympics in Rio.
0: Now, at the National Champs, uh, is it pretty much across the board, the disciplines that are going to be represented there on that day, on, over that time?
3: Well, at this stage, it's, it's going to be like uh, athletics and swimming is probably your two main uh, sports. And then there's also going to be uh, goalball for the visually impaired, some uh, c- uh, CP soccer for the cerebral palsy. There'll be some cycling and some uh, botcher for the severely disabled, and then also some judo for the visually impaired. So... Um, we expect to about 900 uh, participants to be there for that
0: uh, three, four days to compete. That's a huge number of people. Yes. And are you involved with with setting it up or any, any of the organisational side well, of it? Well, I'm, I'm on the LOC, so I'm, I've
3: not really got a portfolio, but uh, seeing that it's based in Stellenbosch and that's where my office is, I just say my uh, position on the LOC is Stellenbosch. So everything, if, if somebody needs something, they'll try and give me a call mm. and I can see if I can help them or find a room or find a a piece of grass or a tent or somebody, something for the whole setup to be just so much easier and to make things running smoothly.
0: And it's being held at the Kutzenberg Stadium, so yes, it's, it's uh, a nice venue.
3: Yeah, basically the, the Kutzenberg the, uh, Sports Ground from the University of Stalemus, seeing that everything is literally in a you can say in a radius of 200-300 uh, metres, with the exception of the cycling that's in uh, Paul and uh, the Botcher towards uh, the airport, about 25 k's away, and uh, the Judo that's in Somerset West. It's about 10 guys away.
0: And um, people taking part in this, Wenzel, are, you, are there any sort of potential Paralympians?
3: Well, uh, like I said, Sidvan, some of the guys that will participate, being like people like jilton uh, Langenhofen, that's a well-known, Jelten mm. A., from uh, Fanny, uh, Fanny Marva and then Sidvan from uh, that's from, from my club, and then some new faces, and then, then obviously from the other provinces, uh, some of their Paralympians will be there as well at this stage. That's I think the most of the teams is more or less finalized. So within the next week or so, we'll have a final program and we'll have an idea of who of the well-known uh, people will be participating.
0: Now, at the Marty's Holderberg Sports Club, now people are listening to this. They're probably thinking, "Well, you know, I, I would love to join a club like that, but I'm not at the level of a Paralympian." Is it open to anybody who wants to come and play a sport there? Uh,
3: yes. Uh, well, my club we try and focus it at this age at five of the sporting codes: with athletics, swimming and then also some cycling, and cycling, some goalball for the visually impaired, and also the weird and wonderful sport of wheelchair right before the quadriplegics. So, uh, and uh, yes, we try and uh, encourage everybody to come, and usually they have to come, and we see if we can get them classified. And if they're classified, then we've got a rough idea of where they fit in and what type of level of uh, competition they can uh, come up with. And also, obviously, the distances and times that they need to do if they want to go forward in the, in the different sports or sporting codes.
0: So if, they, if they're really just starting out, would they get the, the necessary training at a club like this?
3: Uh, well, we, we try and, and give them some training. That's actually one of the big problems with sports for disabled. We don't have that many uh, coaches, and we are lucky to have a few of them, or we try and, sit and take some of the senior guys and see if they will be able uh, to assist some of the new and up-and-coming members. And uh, it, more or less, it, that works for us although we still need new faces and new blood to come in. So that's still uh, one of the things we're trying to work on in getting new coaches and getting people interested. And luckily, therefore, the university's got um, different programs where some of the current uh, coaches came through their program and that's uh, sort of, um, uh, what they wanted to do in uh, projects project. They become the coaches for some of the current athletes.
0: And what about that dreaded word, ventral funding?
3: yeah that, that, that's a big one. Funding is always a big one because a lot of the equipment costs literally thousands of rands, and the other big problem is, obviously, as most disabled people will tell you, is, is transport mm. and the lack of the, so getting to the venue, getting back so from that, that is a big problem. And, and obviously we, we try and get funding, but still it's never enough to put it like that.
0: So, what do you do for something like the national championships now? How does all that come together? And where does the funding and the transport and all, where does all of that come from then?
3: Well, we're lucky that the national championships been sponsored by NetBank, as in the past, I would, you can lately really say, as far as I can remember, uh, NetBank's been the sponsor. And then also some smaller uh, donations from the local sporting bodies and uh, even the municipality. And obviously, you can say the university always so put in their uh, fair share of help and assistance. It's not always money, but in terms of the high quality of uh, the venue, like Kutzenberg, the track, the swimming pool, and obviously assistance from all the different people involved there. And we've got a very capable LOC uh, of mostly volunteers that also uh, give up their time on a regular basis, meeting on Saturdays, Sundays, coming through to Cape Town, Stellenbosch, and and to make sure that everything is going according to plan.
0: Now, something like the National Champs, is that open to the general public if they'd like to come along and support it? Yes,
3: by by all means. When, uh, they can come and, and watch this at no cost. And it's going to be, like I said, uh, literally everything's going to be in a very close proximity of each other so they can observe different sports. And also, obviously, persons with disabilities, they can come and take a look and see what it's about because I think sometimes they think it's uh, difficult to get into the sport of, mm. or it's so elite, but it's not really elite if you can... Come and take a look. You can see, yes, I can do it, or I would like to do this sport. You get a whole better idea of what the what sport is about.
0: So, it's actually, it sounds like it's, it's, it's really going to be a fun few days.
3: Uh, definitely. Uh, well, for the people competing, it's yeah. fun. But behind the scenes, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> stuff, making sure everything runs according to plan.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't like to be in your shoes over that time, Vince. Oh, gosh, all the logistics probably, could potentially be a bit of a nightmare.
3: Uh, that's definitely a, a big nightmare, Eric, sometimes.
0: But as I said, the, what you said, about 900 people that are going to be coming on?
3: Yeah, coming, and, uh, different uh, sports and different venues all over the place.
0: Sure, so there's a lot of people, a lot of people to move around, a lot of people to accommodate. Has that been quite easy, the accommodation? Uh,
3: accommodation is a bit of a problem because in the past uh, we were able to use the university's uh, hostels but now unfortunately with uh, during the so-called short holidays mm. uh, we, we we can't use the hostels. So most of the teams are around Stellenbosch and even some of the other schools for the physically disabled, they sit and accommodate some of the coming uh, teams that comes down. So uh, it, 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 that's a bit of a problem. So a lot of teams will have to travel into Stellenbosch. But uh, luckily, it's probably also in a radius of 20 to 30 uh, kilometers that they have to travel uh, to Stellenbosch.
0: Well, Vincent, it sounds like you're going to have a very busy time on your hands, but it's hopefully a really fun time. I'm, hope, I'm sure you'll have time to enjoy it as well.
3: Yeah, I know. I'm definitely uh, be sure they have to uh, enjoy it. And I think that when, if people want to sit see what's going on, we also started the Facebook site, the uh, South oh, African. Right. Um, for physically disabled so they can take a look and see some of the uh, athletes that's been featured there and just give a get an idea of who will be competing And if they see a person then they say okay that's so and so and that's been the person's history and that's why you she's competing and it's maybe the first time or the second time or it's been to the third or fourth paralympics
0: so it's on Facebook under SA Sport for the Physically Disabled. That's correct, yes. Okay, people can go and have a look and all that information will be yeah, up there. Yeah, if they can
3: like the page, we can, they can be kept up to date of what's going on.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Well, Vincent, thank you so much for your time this evening. Really great to hear about this event coming up. But I uh, hope you have a great time and hope everybody that takes part enjoys it and hope lots of people will come along and support you. Yes,
3: I'm, I'm sure. And thank you very much for the opportunity to put the sport out there and informing the general public about
0: it. Only a pleasure. Hopefully we'll chat again soon. Okay.
3: Pleasure.
0: Thank you, Vensel. Good night to you. I- Wenzel Barnard is from Stellenbosch University's Sport Performance Institute, and we were chatting there about the upcoming National Championships for the Physically Disabled, which will be taking place at the Kutzenberg Stadium in Stellenbosch from the 30th of March to the 2nd of April. And if you'd like to find out more, he says, take a look. They've got a Facebook page up now. It's under S.A. Sport for the Physically Disabled.
1: The Disability Report with Karen Key.
0: Well, the experiences of people with disabilities have shown that the basic human need to form close relationships is as relevant for people with disabilities as it is for humans without a disability. And disabilities sometimes break down the basic structures of relationships. Roles may be reversed overnight with the woman becoming the breadwinner or the man becoming the homemaker. Disability stereotypes can also add to the difficulty and stigma experienced by people with disabilities. Well, joining me now is Willem Stichling, and he's a lecturer at Pretoria Academic Hospital and is a regular Columnist for Rolling Inspiration Magazine, specializing in sexual rehabilitation. Philim, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Colin. Well, you know, one of the big things I think before we get into the problems, though, is the is this, the disability stereotypes, which I think add to the difficulty and the stigma which people are faced with.
4: Absolutely. Um, it's it, it's amazing to see how the general public sometimes view <coughs> people with disability as being mentally retarded or hard of hearing and, and so on, when, when it's just something that has happened to you or me or anybody out in the street um, that, that makes a certain part of their body not work anymore. But, I mean, you still have the brain, you still have the mind, you still have the personality, and you still have a whole lot left to, to carry on a relationship with.
0: And my, my favorite sort of, when you think about things like that, the one that really bugs me it's my favorite sort of irritation is when somebody is in a wheelchair and people will say to the person possibly pushing the wheelchair or their companion or whoever it is, does he take sugar? You know, it's like, exactly. you know, like, yeah, actually, I can talk for myself. Or
4: they talk to people in chairs louder. Yeah, I know, yeah. They may be hard of hearing or something like that.
0: I don't know what it is, and there's all these sort of other things. I mean, as I mentioned in the beginning, it's almost like they, they lose almost some sort of humanity because they think, well, they don't really need a partner or they don't need sex, for example, or they're don't, or they not sexually attractive. There's that whole sort of stigma or that misconception that seems to surround disabilities, which is so untrue.
4: Absolutely, and I, I work uh, predominantly with, with spinal cord injured people and... Um, it's 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 amazing the 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 misconceptions that still occur about people in chairs uh, as to what exactly is wrong with them or or, or, or what they can or cannot do, and it, it's it's astounding to see how how the general public don't understand that it's just a person that 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 fits a lot more, and for the rest yeah. that person is perfectly capable of having a very good relationship, they still have their personality, they didn't have a brain injury with a spinal cord injury and, and, and they, they, are, they are there and they, they can be loved and they can love and they can even produce children if needs be.
0: The thing as well about that that I think the general public needs to understand is that the way that the general public would treat somebody with a disability affects that person very deeply and it can affect their self-image and it can lead to in some cases I would imagine quite severe depression. Absolutely, because
4: uh, with, with, with disability comes uh, a, a huge loss of dignity and, and, and self-esteem. Um, when you, when you, to take spinal cord injury as, as, as an example, all of a sudden you have no bowel and bladder function, Um, you're not capable of dressing yourself, washing yourself even, and there are people helping you with with, with all your most private uh, duties and and, and so on. And as you go through rehabilitation and you, 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 you gradually get little bits back, every little bit of independence you gain is a little bit of dignity you regain. And... It, it, it's a huge prize to the to the to the person that's that's physically disabled to to be able to say I can dress myself I can I can handle my own bowel and bladder routine I can handle myself here there and wherever and people don't understand that they just don't grasp the the full impact of what what for instance you know the spinal cord injury is all about.
0: Can we talk a little bit about the impact of a disability? Because I was reading your column in the latest issue of Rolling Inspiration magazine, and it's called I Am Woman, I Am Strong. And it's it's a rather sad letter that somebody wrote in, and people can do that. They can write to you at uh, Rolling Inspiration, and you do answer the letters, and they're completely anonymous. You don't have to put your name in there or anything. Mm. And it was this woman who was saying, I'll just read out the question. It says, my boyfriend and I were in a car accident during December last year. I got a T8 back injury, and I have to use a wheelchair now. As a result, my boyfriend left me last week. He says sex is not the same anymore, and in his culture, it's not good for a man to have a wife who's in a wheelchair. He's also scared he's going to hurt my back again if we have sex. What must I do to get a boyfriend again? And then you wrote this long sort of reply to her, but what I really liked was your final comment. And you said, when you do find that special man, please write again and let me know how you're doing. Um, there are special people out there for everybody. And as you sort of so rightly say in this thing, that your honest opinion you said is that you're better off to be rid of this boyfriend.
4: Absolutely. and The, the, the thing is it, 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 it demands a slight change in, in, in attitude um, where especially ladies um, that don't usually come on to men because men are considered the hunters and the old stereotypes and so on. But when you're in a chair, um and, and, and there's there's a huge public out there that aren't really aware of what you can and you cannot do. You need to be a little more persuasive, a little more assertive even. And and, and and to say, listen, here I am. Let's 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 do it. Let's get it on. Let's 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 become friends. Let's do this. Let's do that. And and as you get to know a person better and more intimately to then tell them, this is, this is what it's all about, this is, this is what I can do, this is what I can't do, this is how I do it differently, or whatever. Um, but, but there are very few limits once, once you decide or get over the stigma of, now I'm disabled, I'm in a chair, now I'm never going to find a, a friend or a lover or anybody like that anymore, which is absolute nonsense.
0: That's one side of it, Fulham, but then you get the other side. If somebody is injured in an accident, for example, and they're already in a committed relationship, they're married, and then suddenly this injury comes along, and the whole life that they've led as a couple up until that point is now completely changed. That in itself is quite devastating for the family unit.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, and and, and, and it, it, it is a turmoil, and very often you'll find... Um, let's let's say it's a, the, the man that gets injured and the wife is now uh, visiting in the hospital and so on. I call it the what about me syndrome where all of a sudden she's saddled at home with all these duties and, 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 and whatever he had to do at home she's got to do over and above whatever she's, she's been doing all the time in any case. Plus she's flipping backwards and forwards between the hospital and, and home and, and keeping the home running. And everybody's asking how easy, what's happening to him and so on. Very often questions that she can't even answer. But nobody's saying, hey, what about you?
0: How are you? Mm.
4: How are you coping? How, how are you managing through all of this? And it needs to be acknowledged. It, it it needs to be affirmed that, hey, we see what you're doing and thank you for that.
0: I think that's, that's almost a... Um it's quite a well-known problem with people who are, in inverted commas, carers. Mm. That this is, is... I mean, I'm actually going to be talking in the next week or so to an organization, quite a new one, called Care For You. And yeah. they, or what they're doing is, is working with carers and, and sort of filling in what they're doing for an hour or two so they can go off to the hairdresser or go out and have a cup of coffee with friends, just giving them some time on their own, which I think is very special.
4: Absolutely. But now, that, that brings a whole other... Uh, another conundrum, and that is caregiver and lover. Yes. Can your caregiver can your caregiver be your lover? Can your lover be your caregiver? Um, ideal in the ideal world, the two people shouldn't be the same person, but cost implications and practical implications usually end up with a caregiver being the lover at the same time. And when you are caregiving and and, and, and cleaning up or helping a patient with, with a disability. Very often the the, the the sensual areas or the sexual areas that you used to explore very intimately and so on become a bit off-putting when it's cleaning and, 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 and that type of thing. And then just to step in right from that into the next role of, of, of becoming a lover again and then enjoying it like it, like it, you know, it, it, it's very difficult to separate the two. And what I normally encourage people to do is if, if you if you land up in a situation where the caregiver and the lover is the same person, to, to, to separate the duties. When you're caregiving, you're caregiving. And when you're loving, you're loving. And even to, to, to confine it to, to, to different rooms if it's possible, if it's practically possible. This, this is where we make love. This is where we're intimate. And this is where we enjoy each other. And um, then another area where we do the caregiving and, and the cleaning and the sort of general daily tasks and so on.
0: The thing that, uh, as you're talking here, Willem, I mean, what I'm, what I'm hearing as well is that there are people out there like yourself who are able to help you if you are having a problem trying to put your relationships back together again, Absolutely. possibly. It's, it's something, don't try and do this on your own. There yeah. are people like yourself who are out there that are, are well, that's what you're doing. You're helping people. And, and they, oh. people need this this help. And and I think it's don't be too, too proud to ask for it.
4: Absolutely. Um, people are most more than welcome to contact me and, 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 and i will assist and help where i can
0: and just the other sort of side of all of this though we talk about the the injured party or the partner and the or the lover or whoever it is what about the children in a situation like this where they it's are they it, are the children of somebody who is now been injured and is now disabled
4: absolutely and and, and there again it, it, it it's a huge uh thing to, 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 to normalize what's happened. People tend to think of disabled people as as, as as suddenly belonging to a different generation or different species or something like that. Your dad's still your dad. He's been injured. Yes, he's in a chair. But you know what? He still has the same sense of humor. He still has the same personality. And in many instances, he can even still do his his same job, his, his, his same career, or, he, or they can find him something to do that he that he can do from a chair or whatever. Um, and apart from the fact that he's sitting down, he can still enjoy your company. He can still be your father. He can still have the same authority. He still has the same intelligence, personality and everything.
0: It's difficult. And I, I think if, if this is something new in a relationship, that's something that's newly happened, you know, it does take time.
4: Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 it. Uh, But, but there, there again, with... In, in the rehabilitation situation, which which I'm directly involved in, we, we have family meetings and we, have, we, in, we engage the entire family and, and, and the whole support group, and we invite them into the gym to, to, to see how the rehabilitation progress is happening and to get them used to, to wheelchairs and people in wheelchairs and to see how they are exercising and what they're doing so that by the time they go home, it's not something new that suddenly approaches them. They, they, they will be a, they'll be used to it
0: already. So it's not something foreign that suddenly just no, arrives in your no, house.
4: Absolutely.
0: You know, and if things have got to be changed or altered at home to make access more, you know, to, to make access sort of easier, then no. obviously it's not going to be a foreign thing. You've, you've kind of, absolutely. over time, you've actually got, and, as a family, and, and used to it.
4: You know, to that extent, we do home visits and... Where, where it's not practically possible to do home visits. We've got cell phones these days and they all have cameras and so on. Take photographs of what the toilet looks like, what the bath looks like, what the stairs look like, so that, so that the, the, the physios and the OTs that work with these people and we have, have an idea of, 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 of what this person needs to achieve to just get by at home.
0: So as I said, there is a lot of help out there, so it's, it's a, a case so of just empathy, ask, yes. just ask. And Willem, if people want to get hold of you, you, you do have your email address in Rolling Inspiration. It's Wild at gmail.com, and people can email you on that? More than welcome. That's great. Willem, well, I have to thank you so much for your time this evening and for chatting about, I think, a rather important topic when it comes to disability, and, and just for people out there to know that they're not alone, and that, and for those of us who've Thank, thankfully are not in a wheelchair we need to be a little bit more um, I would say accepting but also more understanding oh, absolutely well thank you very much indeed again for your time hopefully we'll speak to you again soon thank you Karan always nice talking to you thanks Willem good night to you you too Bye. Bye I was speaking there with Willem Stuchling and he's a lecturer at Pretoria Academic Hospital and a regular columnist for Rolling Inspiration Magazine and he specialises in sexual rehabilitation and you can read his latest article but he's in every article of Rolling Inspiration Magazine which you can pick up at you can either get it on subscription or you can get it at Pick and Pay Pharmacies um, if there's one near you you can pick up a Rolling Inspiration Magazine there and um, if you'd like to email him for some advice or just to chat you can do that, his email address is Willem that's W-I-L-L-E-M. So it's Wild at gmail.com. WillemWild at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the Disability Report. Next Tuesday, the 11th of March, I'll be back with our monthly phone-in when we'll be talking about endometriosis so join me then but in the meantime i'll be back with time to travel tomorrow evening at nine but if you need any information about something you've heard this evening take a look at the facebook page disability on safm or email me on disability at safm.co.za i'm karen key thanks for joining me but right now it's time for stephen Kirker. hi stephen